You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is What the Bible Says About Health. Hello listeners, it's good to be with you again. It's my sincere hope that things have gone well with you this last week. Good, bad or indifferent, God loves you. Sometimes we're tempted to think that we are of not much value, yet God esteems you of great value. We know that because he gave the most valuable thing that could ever be given, namely Jesus Christ's life for you. But the good thing is that the bands of death could not hold Jesus. He was resurrected and is now in heaven as our great high priest and is ministering for us. Please, Never, ever forget, God loves you. Today, we will be exploring the subject of what the Bible says about health. When God made mankind, he had in mind three things for human beings. God intended that people should be holy, healthy and happy. That's three H's, holy, healthy, and happy. These things go together, as it is hard to be happy and holy, for that matter, if you're not healthy. And those of you who have suffered ill health know what I'm talking about. Health is important. To illustrate, John D. Rockefeller, the American oil billionaire in his later years, is reported to have said this, I would give everything I own to get my health back. If God desires that we be holy, happy and healthy, you would think that the Bible would have something to say about it. And it does. There's much good instruction in the Bible about eating, drinking, disease, quarantine, mental health, sexual health, psychological health, spiritual health, besides many other things. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 gives us some good advice. It says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink... Or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. There is much more than you might think. In reality, it says we should conduct our lives in accordance with God's will, as a matter of what would God like me to do, rather than what I will do to please myself. It's very good advice. Then, There is another statement in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 and 17, which goes even further. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple 
and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. This is saying that we should not take into our minds or bodies anything that is harmful. By respecting God, we should respect our own bodies and minds and take in what is good and avoid that which is bad. Going even further is a statement from Philippians 4.8 which even gives advice on what to think about. You might consider this as going too far but in reality it's extremely good advice for at least two reasons. The verse says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. The first reason that this is good advice is that we make our life choices from our minds. Whatever goes on in your mind will affect the decisions you make and which will ultimately affect what kind of life you will have. Just think of those people who are locked up in jail. The actions leading up to their arrests were all controlled by their minds. To only dwell on good things will lead to good outcomes. Secondly, by filling our thoughts with good things will make us positive. By being positive, we will look on the bright side of life. And there has been plenty of research which comes up with the same conclusion. By having a positive attitude, people live longer happier lives. Dwelling on the negative leads people to have shorter, more miserable lives. Who would have thought that this old book was so far ahead of its times that modern science is only now catching up with it and concurring with what the Bible has said so long ago? Another thing that modern science is catching up with is diet. We are told, and there are many articles that have been published in medical journals in the last 10 years or so, about avoiding cholesterol-rich foods, low-fibre foods, excessive salt, etc. In several places, the Bible advises people to be temperate, that is, not going to excess with anything. Even having too much of a good thing can be bad. When God made man, he also gave instruction on what people should eat. We read this in the first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. It says, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth 
and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. So God, who made man in the first place, gave instruction as to the proper diet. These days we would say that it was a plant-based diet, or um, a vegetarian diet. Now some of you might shudder at the thought of being a vegetarian. But vegetarianism is not quite so unusual these days as in former years. As it turns out, and there are many, many studies that have shown that vegetarians live longer, healthier lives than the general population. Some people choose to be vegetarian for the health benefits through having a plant-based diet. Some choose to be vegetarians because they do not support cruelty to animals. Still others choose to have a vegetarian diet because of the possibility of getting disease from the animals. For example, trichinosis from pigs, mad cow disease from beef, and worms, such as tapeworms, from insufficiently cooked meats. Although I have been a vegetarian since about the age of 15, I was very surprised to read about the positive health effects of a vegetarian diet in the book The China Study. This was written by an American doctor, T. Colin Campbell in collaboration with others, and summarises the results of the world's largest ever study on health. Dr Campbell, who was raised on a diet rich in meat and dairy foods, states in his book that a plant-based diet is unquestionably the best diet for human beings. The book is called The China Study as I said before. Now I want to present to you a case study. I know a young man who loved to eat lots of meat and practically not one meal ever went by when he did not have meat in some form for his meal. He was overweight, lethargic, and the maximum distance he could walk without a rest was about one kilometre. He became concerned about his health. I mentioned to him he should read the book, The China Study. He bought it, read it, and decided to follow its principles. He changed his diet to a plant-based one. It wasn't long before he lost weight, began to feel much better, stronger, and more active and I personally walked with him on a hot day when it was about 32 degrees for 13 kilometres without a break. That's 13 kilometres at a brisk pace. Just ask him if a plant-based diet is any good. We'll stop now for a little musical break and we'll come back to this a little later. 
Come and listen in to a radio station Where the mighty host of heaven sing Turn your radio on Turn your radio on If you want to hear the songs of Zion Coming from the land of endless spring Get in touch with God Turn that radio Listen to the glad hosannas roll. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Get a little taste of the joys awaiting. Get a little heaven in your soul. Get in touch with God. Turn your radio on. sounded like they enjoyed singing that the song was turn your radio on which is really about prayer and it comes from the album called a new name in glory we were talking just before the break about vegetarian diet that is plant-based diet and i told you about a young man i know personally and what a wonderful change came about in his diet But you might ask this question. Doesn't the Bible recommend eating meat? Well, it's only sort of. When Noah and his family came out of the ark after the worldwide flood, about all they had to eat were some of the animals they took with them. The Bible does not condemn eating meat, but it does give some guidelines as to what sort of creatures should and shouldn't be eaten. But just before that, clear instruction was given by God not to eat blood. We find this in Leviticus 17, verse 12. God is giving instructions through Moses. He says, Therefore 
I say to the Israelites, None of you may eat blood, nor may an alien living with you eat blood. When a creature suitable for eating was killed, the blood was to be drained out. The next verse in Leviticus 17 tells us, Any Israelite or any alien living among you who hunts any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain out the blood and cover it with earth. God also gave instructions as to what creatures could and couldn't be eaten. The ones that could be eaten were called clean and the others unclean. There is a comprehensive list of the clean and unclean creatures. You'll find it in Deuteronomy 14, starting at verse 3. Basically, the list says that people should avoid anything that is a scavenger. You do well to read this for yourself. It's in Deuteronomy 14, and you'll also find it in Leviticus 11. So do you want to write that down? It's Deuteronomy 14 and Leviticus 11. But doesn't the Bible say somewhere that we may eat anything? The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 14, and there there are two statements. Verse 14 says, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. And then a few verses on further, it says all food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. At the same time, the early Christians were warned not to eat any food which had been offered to idols. There appears to be a contradiction here. First, you can eat anything, but then you can't. In reality, I think what the Apostle was talking about is that it is not a sin to eat something which would normally be classified as unclean. It is not what goes into our minds or stomachs, for that matter, that pollutes us but what comes out. However, in the light of what God originally designed for humans to eat, we must consider what is the best practice. What will keep me healthy is more important. Being healthy is a part of godliness. Well, we've talked about what we can eat and what about what we drink. Is red wine really good to have because it has health benefits? Well, we're going to uh, have a look at the drinking in general part first. I'd like to say this. Any food that is red, such as strawberries and red peppers and a whole lot of other things, has certain benefits because of the antioxidants which, it is believed, 
fight the free radical cancer cells that are present in our bodies. But the advantage of red wine is very minimal. Yes, I know that red wine is slightly beneficial for health, but those benefits are almost nothing and may only amount to 1% or maybe 2%. As you can imagine, the wine industry is extremely willing to push the idea of health benefits from drinking their products. To drink a glass of unfermented grape juice would be much more beneficial than having a glass of red wine. The Bible does not completely condemn wine. The word wine can mean, firstly, unfermented grape juice with no alcohol, and it can mean fermented and contains alcohol. Alcohol, like yeast, was symbolic of sin. It should be noticed that the alcoholic wine produced back in Bible times had a much lower alcohol content than what we get these days. It would have had perhaps three or perhaps four alcohol compared with 20% or even more today. Nevertheless, the Bible does give advice about drinking alcoholic wine. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. And then we have Proverbs chapter 23 and verses 29 to 32, which says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end it bites like a snake, and poisons like a viper. How much hurt, heartache, abuse, death and damage has been done to families and others when people cannot control their intake of alcoholic drink. Society recognises it as a problem and there are strict laws regarding driving motor vehicles while under the influence of alcohol or drugs. I have been personally involved with people and have also read about dysfunctional families where the stresses and abuse is terrible because of alcoholism. And then, of course, there are the accidents where drunk drivers have ruined the lives of innocent people. Alcohol is a significant evil in our society. In my opinion, the best way to avoid becoming an alcoholic, the best way of avoiding hurting someone because of impaired judgment due to alcohol, is to avoid it altogether. There are plenty other nice things to drink, where your mind stays clear, 
and where there is no risk of vomiting your guts out, and where there need be no concerns about having a hangover. Some of you may be aware that the Apostle Paul wrote to the young evangelist and church leader Timothy to take a little wine for your stomach's sake. This should not be considered as a general injunction to use alcoholic drinks. Notice that he said to take a little wine. It appears that the wine was suggested to be used for medicinal purposes. Although many people in Australia are suspicious about Muslims, the Muslim people have several practices which the Bible supports, namely avoidance of eating pig meat and complete avoidance of using alcohol. Now, it may surprise you to know that the Bible gives instructions about a whole raft of health practices, many of which we take for granted these days. Here are some. Infectious skin disease and the need to quarantine the infected persons. Regulations regarding mildew in clothing. Regulations about bodily discharges, about sexual relations. And you can read about some of these for yourself from Leviticus 11 and onward. The amazing thing is that the Israelites, while they followed God's instructions, were a very healthy race. There were no drugs and antiseptics then, yet the people remained healthy, much healthier than the surrounding nations. Some of the epidemics that have devastated populations of people from time to time could have been avoided if the Bible instructions were followed. The Black Plague or Bubonic Plague, which has affected much of Europe in the past, could have been largely avoided if people took notice of the Bible. I mentioned the fact that there have been many studies about certain aspects of health. Furthermore, most Western countries publish information about population, the most prevalent diseases and the most uh, major causes, that is, of death. These statistics are easily available and you'll find them in the yearbooks that the various states and the countries publish each year. A number of studies have been done on longevity, that is, how long people live. One of these studies was published in the National Geographic magazine about six years ago. National Geographic commissioned a reporter to go and spend time with people groups who were known to live much longer than the general population. The people groups were from Sardinia, Okinawa in Japan, and the Seventh-day Adventist community in Loma Linda, California. If you are able to use the internet, 
you can read the article for yourself. Just type in National Geographic Magazine Article on Longevity. I'll repeat that for you. National Geographic Magazine Article on Longevity. The three groups in the study had several things in common. Firstly, diet. The diet was fairly simple and was mainly a plant-based diet. Secondly, the people were quite active. Some were involved in their own food production. Thirdly, in each of the groups was a sense of community, consisting of extended family members or church members. It was noted that it seems to be important for individuals to share their emotions and experiences with others. In other words, it is good to have friends. The interesting thing each of the people groups in the study, the average age at death was about 10 years above the rest of the population. Whether the people who were the subjects of the study knew it or not, they were basically following the principles of health as outlined in the Bible. In a further program, I'd like to share with you ten principles of good health. Before finishing today, I want to refer back to the book, The China Study. Dr. Campbell notes and has the statistics to back up his conclusions that in Western countries, including Australia, most diseases, diseases that is, responsible for an early death and or for poor health are what he calls lifestyle diseases. These are diseases because of what we do, what we eat, and what we drink, and so on. They are not diseases that are classed as hereditary. Smoking, for example, is a lifestyle activity. It is well known that smoking is the main contributor in causing cancer and other diseases. Things like arthritis, heart disease, immunity deficiencies, obesity, and even such things as stroke are mainly caused by what we take into our bodies and the level of activity we engage in. Yet, that old book, the Bible, inspired by God himself, had enough good information as to how a person should live to be holy, happy and healthy for 2,000 years or more. This book has had that information 2,000 years or more. I'm not saying you're going to live for 2,000 years. What a pity that so few people take this book seriously. And you, my dear listeners should also take up this book and read it for yourself. It is a book with power and may well change your life for the better. Well, 
That's it for another week. I wish that you too may be holy, happy and healthy. And I look forward to your company again next week.